0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder, folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little Fudgy, who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show.
1: Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. One week to go before Washington hosts Montana, and we've gathered together to talk some Husky football in uh, three different topics. Uh, It's uh, me, Derek Johnson, along with Joey Dangerously and Willie Doog. And uh, so we're going to talk about the Pac-12 alliance with the Big Ten and ACC and the Pac-12 decision from Thursday not to expand at this time. Uh, We're going to talk about the quarterbacks and wide receivers and we're going to drill down and talk about uh, Dylan Morris and can he break the chain of disappointing and regressive quarterbacks that have plagued this program since
2: Marcus Tuiasosopo.
1: Uh, how are you guys doing today?
2: Oh, fantastic. We're one week away from Montana. So uh, hopefully we can make it and COVID doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't cancel the season yet.
3: I'm tanned, rested, and ready.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, uh, and by the way, before we launch into our three topics, um, what do you guys what do you guys anticipate for the uh, uh, you know the Husky Stadium atmosphere and experience and everything with you know forty five thousand masked fans sitting there?
3: <laughs> That's one of my big uh, mysterious questions I have anticipating the game: is what it's going to be like. I, I expect half half full of uh cowardly scared people with masks on. I know take it to the oyster.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't say take I, it to the tug anymore. Yeah. Talk, I, I mean, I, I,
3: I've been practicing take it to
4: the oyster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um I'll just uh we'll start with the um the Alliance Um, and and basically it's like the three conferences are looking to work together on scheduling, uh, expansion, NCAA governance, and before we talk about the, the conference's decision not to expand, first of all, we'll just talk about this alliance. From my standpoint, it just seems like when I first heard about it, I thought, wow, that's that's pretty interesting. And I thought, geographically speaking, if we're linked with the ACC, that's, those are some pretty long airline trips. And I started fantasizing and imagining different components and how you know, the schedule would work and, and all this, if there's a lot of uh, interleague play between those three. And then the more I heard about it and the more I thought, it's just, oh, this is just for show. It's basically like three conferences that are kind of, Scared or at least timid about what the future holds and uh, the uncertain footing and uh, basically just kind of, yeah, like, through junior high dance, gathering in the corner because they don't have dates and at least they have strength in numbers. Uh, what do you guys think?
3: Yeah, yeah. ultimately, uh, oh, I, I ultimately think, um, you know, they've talked about um, – you know we're going to play one team from the ACC and one team from the Big Ten each year. Correct, right? That's what we've read or heard. I heard it speculated. What, yeah. That, so if that's the case, then ACC is going to you know protect their high teams, and the Pac-12 will do the reverse.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <We> know, <laughs> they'll do everything.
3: They'll do everything wrong and. In this double, in this double secret alliance that they have going, so so Washington will have to play, you know, uh, Clemson or something every year uh, in in South
4: Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> and
3: they'll and they'll have a bye. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Clemson don't yeah. get a bye, uh, get a bye week before. <laughs> and Washington Washington will be uh, that'll be the back end of their uh their uh back to back away games that the Pac-12 loves to have the the back at Oregon at games. USC at Clemson <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we're going to and then we're going to get force fed the excuse hey you play uh, what your schedule says You get handed the, you you get handed the, you know the the cards you're dealt
2: yeah, they'll get Florida State. The one year Florida State's good. Uh, and Then <laughs> never get them. Never get them when they're bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Oh, you know, go I ahead. Don't, I don't. I don't think it really does anything. I think it's just it's people and groups that have no real options to compete that are just throwing something against the dartboard. I mean, I when. You know, Oklahoma and Texas showing in the SEC with what they already have. I mean, it just seems to me like it's pretty much over in a lot of ways. You know, the Pac-12 is not going to end ACC in the two in the Big Ten as well. I mean, I, I'm just kind of waiting for Ohio State to leave the Big Ten, and then the Big Ten's kind of a joke too. Uh, so, I think it's just a you know, it's just kind of like, you know, the poor trying to band together to be poor together uh, and I it doesn't really even seem like they have any great ideas up their sleeve. So I don't know what's – I don't even know – I don't think playing, you know, Boston College, playing USC and, you know, every year, uh, what's, what's that going to do? Or even, you know, Clemson and Florida State and Miami playing, you know, the Huskies or the Oregon, like, you could just do that anyways. So I I'd, I don't know. I think I think everyone's just kind of trying to keep up with the SEC and the SEC's just trying to create a power conference that – ultimately to me will kind of ruin college football. Um and that's really what all, everyone's just reacting to.
3: And, and if I'm Pac-12 uh, should the Pac twelve should just uh should should just combine with the Big Ten. If they're if they're really talking expansion and they're gonna get rid of the bowl games and they're uh they're talking the uh playoff expansion is what I meant. Uh, if, they're, if they're talking bowl games that are going to disappear, then have the Pac-12 and Big Ten just play uh, their own championship game and call it the, the Rose Bowl. I mean, I, you know, if they need to protect something so they don't kill any historic, you know, semblance of what college football used to be.
2: History doesn't matter, Joey. History does uh, not matter. I know. <laughs> I know it doesn't. Well, I, mean, I
1: have to say, as much I'll, disdain I'll, as I have for, as much I'll disdain as, as I clouds. have for, <laughs> as much disdain as I have for Penn State. I mean, if I'm Penn State and Ohio State, I'm basically uh, looking to uh, you know join there at the hip, and uh, and you know cast their lot with the SEC if they would be taken in there. Um, is basically it's it, it, basically also when you see like the picture that I'm sure you guys saw it was posted somewhere on the board the other day there was approximately uh 10 Ohio State players that were lined up with shit eating grins on their faces at a car dealership um <laughs> and they were they were going to get their sweet rides and it's like the Pac-10 or, excuse me Pac-12 is never ever going to go that far Oregon might on their own and USC and everything, but you're not going to see that from up and down the coast, that kind of thing. Um, And uh, really, I think that this year and maybe next year, we're kind of, we'll be able to more or less enjoy college football the way that it's been, but I think it's going to start to really disintegrate into something that's completely unrecognizable by uh, 2024.
2: Yeah. Yeah, It's
3: going to happen quicker than we think.
2: I, Yeah, once I saw the Oklahoma-Texas thing, I was kind of like, that's the first domino to me. I mean, there's been dominoes falling to create something that just isn't really college football. And I think in the end, isn't going to really be that fun other than, like, the fan bases of, like, four-and-a-half programs. And that's just going to be, like, great. And I think, you know, yeah, I I think, unfortunately, Washington, a lot of the Pac-12 and Washington, I think, is just not – I would even say I would even say Michigan, which I think you kind of alluded to when you said Ohio State and Penn State. A program like Michigan, I think, you know, the academy and their culture is just not going <laughs> to allow to, them to, not allow them to to be part of that world. And I think that's going to be unfortunate. And I think it's going to really hurt a lot of the regionalism and the things that have made, you know, the fact that you know uh, Texas and Oklahoma every year lost at in Manhattan, Kansas every year. Or they lost in you know Ames, Iowa every year and the same that you know aspect of college football which is what makes it great and the fact that there's you know uh, hundreds of thousands if not millions you know fucking beaver fans and cougar fans i mean that's a beautiful thing but if those programs become like you know basically kind of like fcs programs which is what's going to happen if i think what happens happens then it it's not that great we just have kind of like a you know a a dinky JV, NFL, where, you know, four programs just dominate and guys from the West Coast, guys from L.A. and Seattle decide they want to go play for Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. I just, I don't get, I don't think that's going to be very appealing other than for people who are are already deeply ingrained in those programs. I don't think they're going to bring in new people. I think it's really, it's like a nearsighted kind of like move to me.
3: So, uh, so, like, eventually there's going to be schools that are going to be forced to make a tough choice. Like, is Washington – if Washington wants to move to a different conference, is it going to be, you know, uh, you have to leave behind Washington State? Yeah. You know, is Oregon going to leave behind the beaves? Yeah. Uh, they're going to be forced to make a tough choice – and I, I don't know if washington has the balls to do it i, I doubt they, they do. do i mean i don't, they I, don't. I, I don't have they any do. confidence I, I, I don't have any confidence that they'll screw over the Coug. and they should they should just you know it it's not about your little brother anymore it's it, you you've got to survive and and these conferences would want the seattle market but i mean yes they look at the TV dollars. They'd want the Seattle market. The, the only market that looks good on paper but isn't is probably, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area market, because they just don't they just don't give two shits about those two programs there.
1: No, and, and this yeah. might be the time for David Shaw to jump ship, anyways, if he ever wants to, if he wants to maintain status as a as a good coach, because Stanford's not going to play that game. So I've already thrown uh, I've
3: already thrown out to Wooly Dug that he's the next Seahawk coach in waiting.
2: I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Weird career, I, one of the weirdest careers I've, I've ever seen. a college football coach. Uh,
3: he should be ESPN. ESPN should be shoving David Shaw down everybody's throat. I mean, well, here we'll go to the oyster for a second. If they want to be so woke. <laughs> <laughs> they should be shoving David Shaw down everybody's throat, but they don't give a shit about West Coast football. That nah, this is true. why recruits. This is why recruits don't want to stay on the West Coast. So allegedly, allegedly, uh, football on the West Coast is dead and it sucks, right? Okay, so why why is Notre Dame, why is Notre Dame hot on the trail of a fucking running back from Lake Stevens? Yep. <laughs> Apparently, we suck. And we, we, we don't play football and we're fucking soft up here yet. They all want to come here and get our high school football players. So fake news exists in ESPN. All right. All right. I'm done. I'm done. You know, it'd be an interesting thing
1: to do, um, like as a, as a post and this is not something I would be inclined to do, but if somebody out there listening wants to do it, um, is go back to like, even when, you know, Sark or even Willingham, but you could just keep it to the last 10 years from 2011 to 2021, all the marquee in state players that have gone elsewhere and, and put it together like a, the the roster of what that would look like.
3: Well oh, yeah, that's wasted. something uh we've already talked about doing a list yeah.
2: <laughs> I've wasted so much time in my life going through old databases and looking at the guys who Yeah, who 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 laughed at creating those uh creating those like yeah, those like ultimate dynasty teams. Yeah, it'd be pretty uh uh, be pretty amazing I mean uh, there's definitely I mean when, when I think about most I think about 2016 and I'm like god they were just a, I think a couple guys short of really being you know an elite team that could have maybe you know at least taken Bama down to the wire and maybe won and I'm like they probably if you've had like some local guys like three local guys mm-hmm. like you yeah. just if they would have stayed and Nikhil Harry is like probably the out-of-state guy, I think they were like, you know, it was like a toss-up between them and ASU. I'm like, they they would have probably had it, but they just have never post, I feel like since, you know, early 2000s, I don't think they've ever sealed up truly all of the, like all of the best in-state guys in like four years. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sure every program has some sort of version of that, but, you know, I I think Washington, when the program was, you know, elite, it was just a different time, but I think that was part of it, is that, you know, guys, other than, you know, there's a couple old-time guys we always talk about that you hear about from, like, your dads that did leave, but uh, guys just didn't leave, you know, and those schools weren't recruiting here as hard. No, if, well, you, had know,
3: a guy leave, if you had a guy leave, it'd be like uh, Luke Heward going to North Carolina or
2: something. Yeah, there's some if, guy who went just to Just uh, a nothing career. Yeah. Well, I remember,
1: though, 1997 when the Huskies shut out USC 27 to nothing. And my dad, uh, who's just like – he's a soft-spoken gentleman, uh, doesn't like confrontation, you know, blah, 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 blah. And to to show you what the standard was back then and also how it would arouse a certain type of mentality in him, when the Huskies were in the middle of that game where they shut out USC 27 to nothing – And uh, Travis Claridge, you guys remember that name?
4: Yep, yeah. Oh, yeah. And
1: he's dead. He's actually dead now. But um, he was laying on the turf there with some sort of knee injury or something. (laughs) My dad jumps to his feet, cups his mouth with his hands, and yells, How do you like that, Claridge? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Because
1: he was from Vancouver. And he has gone to USC, (laughs) and we couldn't believe it.
2: So. (laughs)
4: Yeah.
2: That's hard. Even for a Vancouver guy, I mean, I think. It's come up with that Tobias Merriweather guy of people like, you know, Vancouver is historically not, you know, Vancouver is almost more Coug than Husky for some weird reason. Cause you know, you know, it's even like, I don't think anyone chooses a Coug over the Huskies from Vancouver, but for whatever reason, culturally, it seems like when you're there or people from there, it's almost no Huskies for whatever reason, other than being so close to Oregon. But yeah I think that mentality is, you know, it's one thing. It's pretty crazy, but it's also what makes Washington a program, you know. I, I get the thing of how it could be embarrassing and, you know, morbid to have, you know, grown men uh, rooting against these 18-year-olds to go other places. But, I mean, that's why it's a program. That's called football. If you don't have that a little bit, you know, that's why I think guys should stay a little bit because, you know, they, Washington still has that. I mean, that that's an intensity where you just don't get that at a lot of – you know, that's what makes you a program or not a program. Uh, You're you're hating, you're hating the kids who, who go other places. And, you know, it's a big deal to you. And I think that's, and I think the state too has, there's, there's a pride in the state. It kind of hits a lot of sweet spots to create it where I think you have a lot of states like Arizona and Utah and stuff out West that just people didn't move here until too late. So it doesn't have like that deeply ingrained pride. And, you know, the programs didn't get good until too late where, you know, Washington always been like that. If you don't leave, if you leave, um, you know, it's, it, it it leaves a bad taste. And I would say the same, even for Oregon. When I see an in-state Oregon guy who quietly, their, their top in-state guys almost never go uh, to Oregon. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't really like that guy. I don't really like that guy. I think, <laughs> I think, uh, I I, I kind of want elite players from Oregon to go to Oregon, too. I kind of think that's college football. And I think it's stupid. You know, it's not my choice, but I kind of just – I can't wrap my head around it. I can't picture being from – you know, if you're from Oregon or if you're from Washington, you're like, I want to put on a silver and red jersey and represent the state of Ohio. That's just so – I don't know. I can't even, like, get my brain to think that way. <laughs> I, I've been
3: thinking that a lot about uh, uh, Colorado kids. You know, yeah. washington, Washington's washington gone into Colorado, gotten some really good recruits, and I don't think Colorado was even, like, a finalist for, like, Rosengarden and uh, how the Grinch stole Siler Miles.
4: Uh, yeah, Siler. <laughs> Siler. Uh, I, I, you
3: know, Devin, what, Devin Aguilar, Alvin Logan. Yeah. Those yeah. are like Colorado kids that were that were good, you know, sort of big recruits for Colorado's sake, but not even like finalists. Colorado, well, Colorado was a shit program when Aguilar and Logan were there, but and probably Logan Miles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're kind of
1: on their level right now, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to uh, recruiting. So, um,
3: yeah,
1: they are. You know, we're. We're 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 like third fiddle on a lot. I don't I don't even follow it that closely like you guys do. But I mean, we're third fiddle, fourth fiddle on on these guys that are leaving the state. It's like it's really something else. And, and by the way, before we transition to our uh, second topic, but uh, in regards to the Pac-12's decision from a couple of days ago that they they announced that they are not going to expand. Um, my one trepidation there is that you have the likes of Oklahoma State and Baylor out there, and I know that doesn't really seem to make any—that doesn't really resonate with Pac-12 and, and uh, the Pacific Coast and this kind of thing. But at the same time, they're going to get—they're going to get, uh, gonna get uh, blended in with some conference or taken in by some conference, and, and those those two teams are particular. They pour a lot of money and resources into their program, and they're competitive. And I think that um, if if we had taken them into uh, our conference, um, it would you know expand our presence and exposure in the Southwest region there, and and uh, I, I, you know, it just seems like we're mm-hmm. that could have helped us at least mitigate the damage a little mm-hmm. bit in terms of being left behind in the SEC's dust.
3: But they yeah, should have at least I, taken yeah. Oklahoma State and Kansas State.
2: Yeah. There's a uh, few programs out there that I agree I don't think it's going to move are, the needle two months but yeah.
3: Those are decent programs uh and I'll, I'm being selfish here that Washington could beat every <laughs> fucking year if they wanted to.
2: I I mean but, Colorado or Utah, yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh I mean Yeah, Baylor would be Baylor would be okay. I mean I don't I mean it's what private Baptist school, so I don't know I don't know how the, you know, I know the, I know there's like, there's, you know, school, all, every Pac-12 school is a research school. So I know that's always kind of came up when people have talked about adding BYU is, you know, you got a bunch of liberal atheists, you know, versus the Mormons. I I, mean,
2: I would I, add the shit out of, <laughs> to go on the record, I would add the shit out of BYU. Uh, I would love to have BYU in the conference. I think that would be. A heat. I would. I would love to kick the shit out of BYU every <laughs> fucking year, but I think they would be a good program too. I think they're. I think they're. They're dedicated to trying to be, you know, competitive in sports, and they have their limitations of being Mormon. But I would. I think BYU would be a good ad, but it will never, absolutely never happen with the Pac-12. It won't. No, well, and I'll, I'll say yeah. this too,
1: because you have you have a situation like even I said this on the boards a few months ago: the Boise State the city of Boise is growing and growing in a rapid expansion and uh, and they'll become more or less like a Seattle in in the future and so they may not be small time. Uh, so an argument could be made there. But really I'm I'm kind of, my comment from a second ago was not so much trying to figure out which team should come in but the fact of whether or not sh- teams should come in or not because the Pac-12 has made a decision to just close the gate and not let anybody in. And um, I, I wonder if I come back to BITUS if these some or all of these schools that we're talking about here end up going into other conferences. Uh, you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, right. yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, I think the fact 12 I assume their focus is right now is just trying to get USC, Oregon, and possibly Washington to not leave. I think that would probably be their maybe ASU. I think their their problem probably as a conference is more you know trying to keep their, their powers from, you know, bolting. So I I don't know. And I don't know if adding schools, you know, does anything with that. So I think their folk, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> I think if the, if the, you know, the Washington's never leaving, <laughs> Washington's not leaving, you know, only thing never. positive from it to me would be if Oregon, I hope Oregon just leaves and then the PAC 12 stays. So at least, we can be the New Mountain West, but at least, you know, it's just, it's, just awesome. it's not like, it's not a, culturally, you know, and program wise, every program in the Pac-12, I think for the most part, other than, you know, a couple make sense, they're the same, but it's just like culturally and the way they run things, it's like Oregon makes zero sense and it's just like weird to have to compete against this kind of operation. Only oh, maybe a Utah or ASU, but they just suck too bad to really to really do anything with it because I think they're both quietly kind of sketchy uh, and committed to you know being a football programs. But yeah, long story short, um, uh, I, I just think the Pac-12 is just trying to keep those teams in. Any
3: guys been watching, ever back to the? Go ahead. I was, was going to say I've been watching. Uh, uh, I watch. Uh, pardon the interruption. Every once in a while, still. And I happen to catch uh, Wilbon saying the Big Ten should add the two Arizona schools because cause wow. Chicago Chicago people like to visit Arizona. I'm like I'm like, right, have you watched Arizona football, Wilbon? <laughs> you fucking you fucking moron. Or are Maybe you thinking Are you just saying?
4: I, I don't That's cool. we had in the halftime, uh,
1: ladies and gentlemen, in Tucson, Arizona, it's Ohio State 56,
3: Arizona 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: it's like, uh, or are you just trying to get uh, two average programs to come to your conference? But I I, I don't know, just, just mind-blowing. Like, why wouldn't you want to get Washington and Oregon to come there I, and to come to the Big Ten?
4: I, it,
2: I don't know. It doesn't, maybe, he's, maybe he's scared or something. You know what would happen if Arizona but, schools were in the Big Ten? Ohio State would play them, and all of the best players from the state of Arizona would be playing for Ohio State, and I'd be screaming at my <laughs> TV. Why is, it, why, why is this even a thing then? What is the point? If Ohio State, not to go back to the same point, but if Ohio State's here in, what's it three or four years, and their two best players are from the state of Washington, it's like, why does this thing fucking exist? Why why does college football exist if that's going to be the case? So, end of of rant.
1: (laughs) And, by the way, one final point on this, um, and then we'll move on to the next topic. But have you guys noticed how, at least from what I've seen, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but you notice how Emmert doesn't seem to have any central role in any
3: of this? (laughs) Oh, he's disappeared.
2: (laughs) I I think he disappeared after uh, the – Willie Lyle scandal came out, and he had this big, his like homepage on the NCAA website was about how cheating will not be tolerated, and it was like a one-page manifesto. And I emailed him about how are you, how are you going to allow a head coach of a of a program to write a check from the university to a street dealer and then not punish them? So I think he's been hiding ever since he got that email from me, uh scolding <laughs> him for for his big stance on cheating will not be tolerated.
3: Uh, oh, I know where he was hiding. You know, I said this. I I saw him one summer. I, don't know, I saw him one summer, uh, probably three years ago. I think he was. Uh, we were vacationing um, up at Sun Mountain Lodge in Winthrop, and I saw him up there for a wedding. He must have been up there for somebody getting married. And uh, that he wears a lot of makeup. Not. Uh, <laughs> Not, not not having a press conference uh, guy old old guy likes his makeup
4: a little uh
3: little little drag queen looking well, I will say this, and
1: i'm being I'm being dead serious one hundred percent I'm not exaggerating um I said this on the boards maybe three or four years ago, i think, but um. When I was writing Bow Down to Willingham and I went into Emmert's office and interviewed him, I was interviewing him and then I went to uh, Scott Woodward's office to interview him. And prior to those interviews, I thought that Woodward was going to be kind of this, you know, milk toast, wet mop kind of guy. And I thought Emmert was going to have some sort of strength and gravity to him a bit. And when I went into Emmert's office and I shook his hand, and I'm not saying this to just like ridicule him and, and exaggerate or anything. I'm being dead serious. His hands were so baby soft, it was incredible. And and then he had trouble for whatever reason, he had trouble maintaining eye contact with me. Um, and when I went to Woodward's office, he gave me a really firm handshake. And there were multiple times where we, um, I don't mean this in a conference sense, but we were talking and and our eyes would lock for several seconds, and it was a whole different thing. And it was not, it was complete inverse of what I expected prior to going into those. Two interviews, so
3: I want the pool boy back.
4: (laughs) So uh,
1: now let's see. um, So basically, our second and third topics are kind of offshoots, uh, one's the offshoot of the other, but uh, Joey, you wanted to talk about the quarterbacks and wide receivers, and then um, uh, Willie Doog, you wanted to zero in on Dylan Morris. So, Joey, why don't you start with uh, your thoughts with the quarterbacks, and then and then uh, Willie Doog, you can chime in uh, in regards to Dylan Morris.
3: Well, I'll just say uh, real quickly that, um, you know, I've heard yeah, – I've read every, you know, practice report, and uh, anything I could find of anybody who's been at practice – and I don't think it's it's I've got one sort of inside source about uh, Dylan Morris, and and I don't think it's a Duke man thing anymore. I I think that he is he's like you know maybe yeah not the most talented guy you've ever seen or whatever, but I, I've heard like a real true leader and could could be an absolute winner. So uh, I mean I'm 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 starting to get a little duged out and excited about it, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. And and I I just want to say one thing. Uh, Pat O'Brien was never going to be the backup. He's going to be the backup if uh, Montana, if we're killing Montana by, you know, 50 points uh, going into the fourth quarter, then I think O'Brien's the backup. If
4: uh, knock on going into the fourth quarter
3: <laughs> yeah i'm sorry uh, hey i uh, uh, hey i'm gonna be uh, hey i'm gonna be dis- i'm gonna be i'm gonna be disgusted i'm gonna be disgusted next week if we don't hang a hundred on them anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just me, that's just me anyways it'll be um, it'll be thirty
1: thirty thirty four ten going into the fourth quarter there's my prediction, but please continue. <laughs>
3: Uh, I'm, I'm getting angry as we speak.
4: <laughs>
3: uh, if, if uh, knock on wood, Dylan got hurt the fifth game of the year, then Sam is the backup. I think that, you know, I mean, Willie Duke is, you know, he's texted me that, you know, this and you know, I, I echo his thought on it, is that it could be one of those situations where Jimmy says, well, fuck it, I'm going to save my job and I'm going to just, peel the band aid off and throw the kid in there. You know. Then I've got uh I've got the crutch of a true freshman that just came out of Catholic school to uh lean on. So anyways. Well that's that's my little that rant.
1: It's too bad there's not two or three years separating Morris and Heward because there that's gonna be a double edged sword if Morris is really, really good and I'm a Morris fan, so
3: Yeah, well I'll t- I'll talk since I just um was talking about quarterbacks, I'll just toss it to Wooly Doog on his topic of quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, And um, whether
1: Dylan Morris can break the ch- break the chain of disappointing <laughs> and regressing quarterbacks that have plagued this program since Marcus Tuwie has the pop.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Which I, 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 I
2: is <laughs> post post Tui, and it's a very specific thing. Uh, I would say the regressing because there's been quarterbacks I think have been good or maximized to what they are, uh, but man, I just feel like we've had a run of quarterbacks who like, even if they hit a good point that they always regressed. I mean, starting with Pickett, you know, Pickett to me was yes. like a first round NFL pick, you know, his first like year and a half first two years. And then suddenly he was just like, you know, a seventh round pick guy who was almost a liability um you have the yes. weird William Hamley years. I mean all those guys. Uh all those guys. I don't know what you really consider them. And then, you know, uh you hit Locker, which Locker obviously was uh you know, Walker. That's was a Pee Wee football
1: game going on, by the way, to our
2: <laughs> listeners in the background. Joey Joe Duke a, is scouting the talent. It to, <laughs> got
4: too hot in the truck.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. Some future,
1: some future Ohio State (laughs) running back just broke a 50-yard run,
2: right? (laughs) Yep, he's he's going to his dream school of Ohio State. Uh, He's already dreaming of it. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry. Yeah, he's never been to Ohio, but he's already dreaming of Ohio. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, you go through this run. You have Walker, who, you know, obviously the guy was a top 10 pick, and he led them in 2010 to the Holiday Bowl win. But I mean. Compared to what Locker started out as in 2007, I don't think he. I think he regressed, and I don't think he was what he could have been when he started. You have Keith Price who came out looked really great until then, totally again a guy who everyone wanted to get beat out by a senior year. Browning, another one of them, like he comes out fire, and then again by a senior year people were begging to you know start someone else. You have Ethan, who uh, Tyler Miles, by the way, shyler Miles comes oh, in. He's yeah huge recruit and just cannot play whatsoever. But then, yeah, Ethan, who, you know, built all the build up for Ethan, and he really just was kind of like a below average, average at best, you know, quarterback for the most part. And it's a specific regression thing. It's the weird thing to me. It's just like, we're on like seven quarterback run of guys who we think are going to be good, and then not. And I think what got me interested and excited about Morris, other than, you know, how he looked pretty good to me last year, was, you know, coming out of practice, I've never heard good things about a Husky quarterback in practice that I can ever remember. All I remember hearing was, you know, they scrimmage and the offense is picking, you know, eight field goals because they can't get a touchdown. And you never really hear anything about, you know, the dynamics of the quarterback. And it really – and the Huskies have never been able to have that guy, I think, since Tui, um, you know, who has some, like, moxie in the pocket and can throw too, which is to me – what college football quarterbacks are all about. You know, I think we've had guys who could run and have guys who can throw, but have never had the kind of guy who can put that all together and have that sixth sense of football. Where, perfect example to me is of Locker, who, you know, was a legit 4 4 guy, was just a freak athlete, but he just had no, no like magic. Feel. He, yeah, he never Feel was much. able to, like, when he ran, well, when he ran, too, like, he never was able to, like, um, I kind of, he never had that, like, that magic that you, you have in football when you see a great quarterback where it's just, like, they know what's going to happen before it happens or they know how to, like, make the play, like, that kind of exists in the nothing. And he had none of that. He would roll out and he would get tackled by, you know, a Cougar, some Cougar linebacker from you know, uh, you know Leavenworth, who ran a four nine, would somehow tackle him for four <laughs> yards on a, on a on a on a rollout.
3: Leavenworth <laughs> chased ch- <laughs> chased chased down by Will Durting.
2: Yeah, he was, yeah, but he did. It's like, but yeah, is Ken Morris be that guy who finally, you know, not only does he come out and be good, but he's not going to, you know, a year and a half from now, we're not going to be, you know. Wishing that Jackson Stratton takes his
3: <laughs> I was at uh, that real, uh, qu- real think- quick on Locker. Oh, uh, his his uh, his great Locker's greatest run, uh, in my opinion, is uh, where he actually kept the uh, was the 2010 Apple Cup uh, in Pullman. He actually kept the uh, the read option and then he went straight up the middle for, like, 70 yards. And it was, like, mesmerizing to watch his speed. And then Senio Calamete gets called for the most phantom fucking hold I've ever seen, where he just basically mowed a guy out of bounds. And you can watch the the, the replay of that game. He's basically pancaking a guy out of bounds. They called a fucking hold. And it was like, are you kidding me? We've been waiting since the first Syracuse game of Walker to watch him do something like this and you fucking call it back. And it was probably, it was probably a glasses ref, Jay Stricker who <laughs> called it. it probably, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: I was down in Corvallis in 1999, sitting in the end zone for the, uh, the Washington, Oregon state game. And I remember the final score was 47 to 21. And I think at halftime it was like 40, 45 to two or something, or, um, uh, do you guys remember that game? And then uh, the point of, the reason I'm bringing it up is that Marcus Tuyasotopo had that run where he took the option around the right end. He ran about 30 yards down the field, and then he was being tackled. And as he's falling backwards onto his back, he throws the ball over his head to um, Willie Hurst, who takes it the rest of the way. Do you remember that?
2: I was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> we need that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah, remember we that. Need... We just, you know, Washington has not had that you know I was going to say kind of like you know Sam Darnold to me was one of the best quarterbacks in college I've seen in recent history where he was just in the pocket and you just he knew exactly how to like place himself in the pocket and stay in the pocket and keep a play alive and I saw a little bit of that with Morris even if he's not going to you know take off like Lamar Jackson and run for you know 60 yards but that Washington just has not had that like magic presence, you know, quarterback who does also doesn't, you know, get worse as his career goes on since uh Tui and I I kind of am getting so some strange. hope that Morris could be that guy. It's so strange. It's the same thing too. It's guys who they get started, they look good and then, you know, they kinda of slowly regress. So I on it's kind of a a two a two topic thing of yeah, is Morris going to be one, I kind of feel like he might be the guy that they want and if you going my question though is I don't know, is he gonna be able to maintain that or you know, is our team's gonna figure him out pretty quickly and then he's gonna be, you know, uh you know, a smaller browning or something.
1: He's got a he's got a, a brain though. I mean he doesn't seem like a one trick pony like you were talking about Jake a second ago, where it's just um, you know, running straight up the middle and then if there's nothing in his way, he looks magnificent, but otherwise, you know, um but more Morris Morris has got that that je ne sais quoi, you know. He's got something. I'm really uh, that's uh, you know along with McDuffie, he's the, Morris is the guy I'm really looking forward to watching uh, this year and uh, seeing what what he could do and helping to lead the team. And at the same time, uh, you know that that clock is going to quietly start ticking for for Heward in regards to um, you know, does he want to sit
3: behind Morris for three years? So. I think the uh the uh the Morris gif of him taking the needle and injecting, you know, yeah. uh chasing ch- chasing the dragon, you know, in, in his veins is, uh I think that's what Uh why, I mean when I when I saw it, on, you know, on the game, it was like it was like, oh, I fucking love this guy. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, I I uh you know, I I almost want to go back to like you've. Re- it's hard to it's hard to remember how um, hair pulling. You know, angry you could get at Tui for just some of the things he would do. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like, you know, he'd he'd uh, he'd be carrying the team on his back and then he'd throw an interception to a guy. <laughs> there's no receiver in the area, and you're like, Marcus. What the fuck are you looking at? Because <laughs> no. remember that Miami like, I game? Want
1: that? Yeah, the Miami game. He almost gave it back in the uh, the Rose Bowl against Purdue. He almost
2: gave it back. Yeah, yeah, that uh... pitch
3: in Purdue. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: well,
2: I'm not the I'm not the first person to, to make it, but I thought it pretty quickly. Of yeah, was, you know, Morris to me, if I had to go with like a recent comparison, kind of looked like a you know, a better passer, a thicker, but not as athletic, like uh, Trace McSorley. But, I mean, I hope he doesn't have the – Trace McSorley had that, like – I think we saw a few times in that – like five times in that Fiesta Bowl where he would just chuck up weird passes and throw, like, you know, five five, uh, picks that should have been made every game. But at the same time, like, he would make five plays, you know, that – you know, the, the Husky last ten Husky quarterbacks would not make because they just didn't have that ability to, you know, know when to take a risk and be willing to do it and have to like, moxie to kind of like be a weirdo, like spaz and just like hit the seam or make that throw. So I, uh I gotta say I'm I'm duging out a little bit on the Morris thing. I will say you know in the at the same time the the curse of you know everything that works out for every other program, never works out for Washington of, you know, the Huskies finally get the in-state five-star number one quarterback after missing, you know, like three in a row. Uh, And now he's going to be two years behind another local guy who is going to be good and he's going to transfer and he's going to be Joe Burrow somewhere else and we're all going to be like yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe you know, Heward is at USC or he's at, you know, like Texas or somewhere and he's Alabama, he's winning the Heisman. And, you know, we, 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 we ran him off because, you know, we had a, we had a glorified, uh, you know, we had Trace McSorley. We couldn't, we couldn't, he couldn't beat him out as a true freshman. So I know that's going to happen. But Morris will be good, but Heward will transfer and then become Joe Burrow uh, at some other school. and we'll, we'll all be, all be kicking ourselves again.
1: So Sark accidentally uh, bumps into uh, Sam Heward at the, uh, yeah. at the and Home Depot yeah. or something. and
2: uh... Sark's already working it.
4: I'm sure. I'm sure Sark's already working it.
2: Sark's already, he's already at the winery. Uh, he's already, he's already, you know, getting blitzed at, at Heward. Is there a winery with the Hewards? I can't remember. He's already, but whoever is he's drinking wine and he's getting, he, he's, he's saying, you know, you know, there. You know, what if he came down to Austin, what if he came down to Austin to go seven and five every year in and Austin? Passing <laughs> passing time
3: passing time wines. Passing if you time wines. If you notice, uh Kimmy hasn't been pumping them up very much lately and they've been really shitting on Sam Heward for no fucking <laughs> reason. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, I don't. I don't follow the dogman whatsoever. So I'll take your word for it. But, <laughs>
3: I hey, if it's if it's Husky content, I'll uh, you know, I'll give it a you know. If I want to read practice reports and follow the Huskies, I'll I'll listen to anything. I'll pimp myself out there for fucking anything. <laughs> you know. I, oh no, I mean, do what you want. Of course. Oh, well, I don't subscribe to their website anymore, but.
4: Yeah, if
3: it's uh, you know, if it's if it's pod, I'll I'll check it out until I get irritated and want to throw my phone out the window. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tune it in.
4: <laughs>
3: um, let's see. And then, uh, do you
1: guys before we conclude then for today, do you guys want to talk about Montana at all?
3: I wanted yeah, to get into just yeah. a little bit on the a little bit on the receivers is is uh, oh I'm sorry it yes, could yeah be, yeah no it, it could be these I mean we have hardly anything returning I I looked it up the other day and our returning receivers obviously Otten if you want to count him as a receiver it, you know 16 receptions but then uh, the next two guys returning as far as re- receptions were. Terrell Bynum at eight <laughs> and Kamari <laughs> Pleasant at eight. <laughs> so like, it's, it's, ah. it's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty bleak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pleasant had more receptions than Odunzi and uh, McMillan last year. Uh, but you know, the, it, it, those could be, that could be a position where you have talent and, it's really like you know who who are they going to throw it to? You know they have to throw it to somebody. So there's there's going to be some guys putting up numbers. We just it's just such a great unknown. It's I, I don't I don't consider wide receiver as such a bad or uh, you know a glaring hole as uh, you know the other the other inside linebacker or. Um, I'm actually quietly worried about safety. Safety besides the uh, uh, Bradley Hiles
2: or Radley Hiles. Uh,
3: I don't know why I always want to call him Bradley Hiles, but anyways, because uh, I want to say bookie, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't know the receivers. I'm kind of like I, I'm kind of even on. You know, I, I, I didn't. I don't have a lot of expectations and I'm not, you know, doom and gloom on the position just yet.
2: Yeah. I don't, uh, there seems to be a lot of, yeah, worry and hate on the receivers, but for whatever reason, I, I I agree. I don't have the same, I don't have the same thing. I mean, I just feel like I liked what I saw from McMillan who I think might be her and O'Donnelly, even if they did have some flaws last year and, you know, I think Bynum's a solid, like, you know, uh, guy who you prefer to have be your number three receiver, but I think if he's going to be okay. And I think the transfers they brought in, I think, will add some stuff. I feel like Jalen Polk quietly could be, you know, the guy they never seem to have uh, for a long time who just, you know, if we need like a nine-yard catch on, you know, second and six, he's going to get open and he's going to catch it. Uh, I, think I could just be projecting that because he's from uh, Texas Tech, but uh, <laughs> I feel like they've lived on that. But, yeah, I, I don't think – I'm not that worried about receiver. I think there's talent there to me is the big thing where it's not back in the doom and gloom of the Gilby Willingham Sark days where you're just like, they're just throwing a bunch of guys. Like a three-star recruit comes in and he's automatically the starter just because, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the unit, just such like guys who shouldn't be there. So I'm not that worried about receiver. That doesn't mean I'm not worried about it.
1: (laughs) I think, I think, um, (laughs) I think that uh, K Otten needs to basically have a Todd Christensen kind of year and have about 80 <laughs> to 90 catches and um and and I think the offense will, will be doing okay if that happens. So yeah. I like quietly quietly
3: game, yeah. one of my favorite uh quietly one of my favorite targets on Tech Mobile, Todd Christensen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and I, I know none of us have really scouted Montana at all, but I mean, uh, you know, Joey's expecting a 50-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. I'm expecting it to be a little tighter. I don't know if there's much more to say, but uh,
3: I am a I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the run game. I I, I if I I'd be the a complete opposite of June Jones. If if I could run the ball 70 times a game and not throw it, I would fucking do it and I'm still waiting for the Huskies if they're going to schedule these uh, cupcake games I'm still waiting for them to just run the ball every fucking play put up 600 yards of rushing offense and beat a team (laughs) and beat a team 70 to nothing just by running the ball I would be I mean better than Viagra in my life I would be just hulking up in the sidelines (laughs) When everybody's well, marching to their cars.
1: <laughs> not, since, since the 1920s, the Huskies have only posted 70 points once. So.
3: <laughs> and I don't think we happen, have the US. I'm ready for it to happen to that team again, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't uh, think we have the USS
1: uh, Corona or whatever on the schedule, but uh, we do, you know, Arkansas State and whatever um you know my god what boring games those are
2: going to be but that's a whole other story and whole other conversation i think arkansas
3: but... state's going to be kind of
2: tough yeah coming off michigan coming back i i i'm a little bit i'm legit a little bit worried about that one look All listen right. to you guys. <laughs> i mean Montana... if we're not leading
1: by 50 points <laughs> heading into the fourth quarter i'm going to be
3: throwing things
2: Yep. You'll, you'll,
3: you'll, you'll know who I am and you'll know what I look like in the fourth quarter if we're not, <laughs> if we're not completely obliterating this.
2: Yeah. So, Montana, and I, and I, Montana, I just don't want it to be, you know, 31-17. to 17. I want them to win, like... <laughs> at least, like, 41 to, like, 10 or something, <laughs> I'll be happy. You know what I mean? Huskies, I just
1: don't want it to be, Huskies trail yeah. 14 to 10 at half. The fans are booing <laughs> the team as they go back into the tunnel. Uh, you know, yikes.
4: But It could happen. I don't think it's going to you know? be that
2: bad. No, I, I think. It could, uh, it could happen.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want that North Dakota State game from a few years ago where, it was like what they won. They won by you know a pretty decent margin. But you're just like you watched it, and you were like, Ugh, "This doesn't no, look I that want, great." I want the
3: I, I want the Idaho State game from uh, 2013 <laughs> where it, it was uh, 59 to nothing, I think, and and uh, Mike Kramer is is in the press conference or the post game comments. He's thanking Steve Sarkeesian for th- taking it easy on on their team. That, uh, that's what i want I, I want i want some i want some i want some alpha dog shit bully shit where uh the i want uh bobby hawk i think he's back there coaching right i think it's bobby hawk again i, I want him I thanking think so. uh i i want him thanking jimmy lake for not uh uh sticking the plunger as far up their ass as he possibly could have that's Sean, That's Sean the
1: McGrew, 16 carries, 275 <laughs> yards, and four touchdowns
2: yeah. in the first half. <laughs> Don't give yeah. McGrew that many carries. You've got to – but, yeah, I, uh, I think the big thing is watching Morris, too, because I think that North Dakota State game was a great example of, like, a kind of – from what I remember, it was, like, their lines, the Husky lines, you know, and the talent, I think, and speed at some places made it. So, when they really needed to, they could, you know, pull away from them and beat them, but – they knew Browning was, you know, so limited that, like, in such a – I think mentally at that point, you know, given coming out of camp with ha- legit fighting with Hainer for a fucking job, <laughs> I think North Dakota State hung around because their defense was just like, this guy's like a basket case at this point. And I don't want that. I think – and I think if they could come out and they're smooth and they put up, you know, 40, 40, 40 points or so and, you know, it's never like – even if it's, you know – they only win by twenty or something, but it's not like ugly. I, I-, I think I'll be happy.
3: So, yeah, just yeah, just come out with a win. Don't let a guy like you know, Bo Levi Mitchell or you know Vernon Adams come in and like make the game completely uh ass puckering to watch while you're you know in the stadium like don't make us cheer that we don't have to go to overtime for you know an <laughs> fcs team <laughs> god go, go, go. i
4: don't want Washington i don't want montana the...
3: montana going into overtime <laughs> god i don't i don't want the students rushing the field against montana please please, please. And then and then Jimmy Lake's comment after the game would be
1: that uh, it was good to see our kicker come through in a clutch situation with some pressure on, you know?
4: I, yeah. That yeah.
1: was
3: a that was a good Montana team. <laughs> I don't think people
1: give Montana enough credit.
3: Yeah. We don't need Baird on the postgame show saying that. was a good Montana team. <laughs> They're only the they got right a lot away. of Washington kids. <laughs> they got a lot of Washington kids. <laughs> I, I should I shouldn't I shouldn't shit on dude Baird very much because uh, we sat we sat right in front of him at the Stanford game two years ago and uh, um, stadium Dick Baird
2: is is great he's way yeah, better awful. than
3: radio Dick Baird <laughs> way better than radio Dick Baird
2: I remember uh, he, had to, it, he had to go up to the concourse and stop walking because he was so disgusted So which I totally uh, I totally stand by yeah.
1: <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Montana has a former Woodenville player and mate Nash Fouch, and he's the uh, safety there. Um, No, I'll say this. uh, I haven't talked to Dick Baird in 10 years now, but there was one night I was out at uh, Bellfair, actually not too far from where he lives. It was a a stormy night, and I was on the phone with him, and uh, Dick Baird on the phone.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: and not on the radio. is a whole different can of wax or whatever. So, um, oh, I could I uh, hang with him.
4: I could hang I'll with him. This,
1: so much time has passed. I'll even say this one thing because uh, I wouldn't have said it back then publicly, but I remember him telling me that, like, um, what was it? I think he said it was like, was it Jeremiah Farms had, like, a wife and a kid, and they had no money for groceries, and so he took them to the grocery store and went around throwing stuff into a cart and, and bought his family food and stuff like that. Um, so the, he, his is other than the fact that that breaks a rule, obviously. But uh, his heart's in the right place there. And uh, yeah, my problem with Dick Baird has always been just when he the, the whole shtick. Well, I don't even know if it's a – I I think I guess you could call it a shtick. Where you get on the radio year after year after year and just defend the coaches no matter what was going on. Uh, and it just got old with me, and I just—it's
3: one yeah, of the reasons it, I do to the Hawks. It's—it's a little—it's a little syrupy. It's, it, it, it's a little too syrupy, but I, I mean, yeah, I don't. Uh, I I I sort of I, get, I sort of can understand. Like he's always said, you know, I'm not rooting for coaches to get fired because I've been fired, or you know, he knows coaches have gotten fired, you know, and you have to uproot your family to go coach somewhere else and. I don't know. I, I've never been in that position, so I I, I don't uh, I don't envy that position.
1: Um, but at the same time, it's not a surprise to anybody in that profession. They know what the uh, the pitfalls are if you don't succeed. So, right, right. I understand. And, yeah. and somebody like John Pettis, um, who um, I talked to a few times, uh, three times I think, but he uh, you know he he finally realized it just wasn't for him, and he he got out of the profession. So.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I'm. I'm kind of, kind of alright with the, you know, positive home uh, a certain percentage of positive, like kind of like Homer. I remember like the the dog man predicting things like you would never predict the Huskies to lose, and it just became like I don't think it started. At, <laughs> it didn't start as like a, it didn't start as like a a joke, but then it just became one. And my dad's kind of like that. Like he never he never thinks the Huskies are going to lose, uh, no matter who they're playing. And I, that I, could be he, Washington think,
1: Huskies versus the New England Patriots, and he would say the game's yeah. going to be one of the
4: trenches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Just> like, <laughs> I don't know. Make it, if they, make it, keep
2: it late, close late. You know, you, you never know what can happen like that kind of. I think you need a certain percentage of that just to balance out. You know, people like pessimists like me who think they're going to go, you know, seven and six every year, even if they're 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 stacked. So yeah, I, I, I'm good with that, and you know. I think, uh, you know, going into the season, we might need a little bit of that because, uh, you know, I I think the Ryan leaf, the Ryan leaf train, as he predicted them to go 12 and Oh, uh, it's not impossible. So I'm on the record saying that, you know, um, the, the program seems a little bit due for some things to kind of just go their way. I mean, it's, uh, again, going back to my, my pessimistic thing, it just seems like they do stuff that works at every other program. And then Washington does it. And somehow that does not work. Uh, Right, yeah, I think they're I think they're due, like case in point, I think Dylan Morris not to, to you know keep this going for too much longer, but I mean, you look at other programs, they just seem to have you know all at least like all conference good quarterback that just kind of come out of nowhere, and Washington just seems like they've just been bringing in guy after guy after guy who you know looks the part and everything seems like it's gonna line up and then it turns out they're, you know, a B-minus at best, or they transfer to Central Michigan or transfer, tra- <laughs> transfer, to, transfer to UCLA. Or, you know, I was talking about with Joey earlier this week. Um, there was, like, the Siler Miles, and Lindquist class. They somehow signed, like, two pretty well highly rated four-star quarterbacks in the same class. And so then Colson Yankoff and Jacob Sermon, same thing. And of four of those guys, none of them turned out to be even like a legit Pac-12 starter, like it's like how that is not like, even close, not even close. No. Like all of that. I mean, it's just like, I'm trying to, and I don't think it was a development thing either. Like, it's just like things just don't, the Washington program, you know, since, you know, I'd say like the mid nineties, you know, since the Don James here, it just seems the years, it just seems like nothing is given. It's just always like anything they get, has to be even Peterson was like they, they, you know, they got Peterson everything was just a a grind and they had to like get a couple things about the only thing that was kind of like a random workout was John Ross getting hurt that one year. So he was like still around and that was about, that was about it. Like other than that, it's been like, you know, working through things, guys getting hurt and having to, you know, have the next guy stand up and guys not panning out, you know, Uh, coaches, you know, regressing, quarterbacks regressing, but this is the year it all turns around.
1: Isn't it something, though, um, and we'll wrap up here in a second, but isn't it something that six years that Chris Peterson was the coach at Washington and throughout all that time we never had a premier quarterback, um, not once, and and not even close to that premier, not even like a second-team all-conference type of player, Not, you know, Uh, Well, well, didn't Browning Browning Uh, was player of the year? Somebody out there screaming, "Yeah, I was going to say somebody out there (laughs) screaming player of the year or whatever." But that was uh, that was John Ross. That wasn't him.
2: Yeah, I think the AP Player of the Year was John Ross. I think, and and Browning was like the the conference player of the year. Which, yeah, uh, no, it's crazy. And Browning, uh, a quick aside, is like one of those players when you know, the a hardcore fan, you watch you know, players and other teams in the Pac-12 and I'm like, they hear these guys get all these accolades. I'm like, that guy actually kind of sucks <laughs> all the time. Like, organ <laughs> Oregon players are or like, you know, players and things get get all this hype. And I'm like, I guarantee that guy's not good. Just for whatever reason, like college football is weird like that. Like things can kind of like come together and make a guy look really good. And then, you know, uh, the, the general media and like dorky fans will be like, yeah, that guy's great. I'm like, Browning was that Washington's that guy. Where I assume other good fans of other schools were like, that guy sucks. But like, well, Browning like, was like the like... Da-
1: the Danny O'Neal of of Husky
4: quarterbacks, you know. <laughs> and, and I don't mean I don't. And, and I'm
1: talking about the Oregon quarterback, not the announcer or the uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking
2: about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, like.
3: Yeah, like uh, Panay Sewell's the greatest tackle that's ever played college football. The history, the whole history of college football. Panay Sewell, greatest tackle ever. Uh, I Panay Sewell, Panay Sewell, uh, leveled by Miles Bryant and ended his season. That's that's the greatest fucking tackle ever. Correct. That's that's what we're talking about.
2: The Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals who desperately need a left tackle. Uh, more than anything past, so I I think I, I'm going to stand with that and having to play right tackle in the NFL because you're just, six four. He's so he's uh, so
3: he's so great. The, he's so great the Lions moved him to right tackle.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that so, guy. That guy. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, we're. I mean, he's not a great example because I do actually think he's good. I just think the hype got a little <laughs> he's, bit. He's out good. Of, he's good. He's not control. fucking Anthony
3: Munoz. For, for, <laughs> he's not He's not Walter Pace
2: He's not Walter Pace <laughs> In Jonathan Ogden Or even yeah. I think Matt was, took, that Was better than him But You took Orlando uh,
3: Pace And Walter Jones And you combined them <laughs> For a super tackle
4: <laughs>
3: That's what
2: it was That's what it became Walter
3: Pace Walter Pace
2: <laughs> I would love to see those guys to, If they had to, to Take on Miles Bryant I would love to see What would have happened uh, You know uh, those guys, Miles Bryant would be deceased, uh, but you know, same thing. But yeah, no, I think I think we kind of went down a rabbit hole of yeah of the Browning thing. The quarterbacks you were saying during the Peterson years, yeah, I mean it just never, I mean it never would have, it never was anything. And I think we all thought Peterson. Turns out though, Peterson liked small, small, untalented quarterbacks from Northern California, which makes sense because that's. <laughs> Like That's the demographic.
4: He was. That's In why England, he was
2: from inland Northern California. He Browning and Hainer were the guys that he loved, and they were small, small, scrappy, you know, not talented quarterbacks from Northern, Ca- inland northern uh, 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 California.
1: I will not allow that on this podcast.
2: What I am
4: what? team
1: I am team Hayner.
4: Oh, please!
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing. Don't is I say untalented? Was, that My man is going to—he's going to was-
4: uh, he's come, he's
1: amass a ton of yards and victories this year for the Bulldogs of
2: Fresno State. As <laughs> <His> disappointing <laughs> as as Ethan was, you know, Ethan is now you know basically just having to prove that he can start for the Indianapolis Colts, and fucking Hainer is <laughs> starting for Fresno State. Like that's all you need to know. That that should never have been a competition. It was. Moronic that they had that as a competition at all. Yes. Yeah. You know, wh- one guy is, you know, set up. You know, an NFL franchise that's, you know, one of the better teams in the league right now is setting this guy up to be their fucking starter. Granted, a guy got hurt, and the other guy is at a Mountain West fucking, an upper mid-level Mountain West fucking program. And Peterson and those guys were allowing there to be a competition instead of saying, you know, this guy's going to go out there and play. So that was, you know kind of with the the Peterson quarterback thing is I think he was just a little too... His Achilles heel, I think, was buying in a little bit to that, you know, little engine that could being a thing, and, you know, he couldn't... I think not being able to sign Easton out of high school, which I don't know if anyone could have. I think Easton just wanted to live in a Florida Georgia line fucking music video and do Coke and uh, the South (laughs) and the SEC.
4: (laughs) So I don't know if... I don't know if Don and If James we're going to start bashing it, that, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I not it. <laughs> You know,
2: Lake Stevens is a lot like Cedar Woolley, and I kind of get that. Like, I mean, if you're, you know, a guy from Northwest Washington, from a town like that, who wants to be a fucking, you know, big dick quarterback and you want to go to a country fucking school and live it up, I get that. And, you know, I, I think that maybe even, you know, Don James and Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney on one staff couldn't have got him to go to Washington, but. That's what Peterson needed. That was one of his big losses to me was, you know, not being able to get Eason. If they could have got Eason and had him start in 2016, uh, you know, and had, you know, that Rose Bowl team in 2018 had Eason as a junior, you know, Mm. uh, with two years under his belt. In 2017 with a year. Imagine that. And that's where he lost. I think that was his biggest loss, Peterson, especially a quarterback, was, yeah, he just needed that that NFL guy and he never did it. Great.
3: Yeah. Yep. So
2: shall
4: we wrap True. up now? Yeah. Yeah. Let me,
3: let me, let me shout out. I didn't mean that sarcastically. Friends. Let me shout out to our friends, Michael and John from our, uh, uh, our doom and gloom text thread. <laughs> and, and, and our old friend, Jeff, that left the text thread because we were, <laughs> <negative>. <laughs> he's out there somewhere. <laughs>
1: um so let's see here uh real quick little housekeeping um where's that thing because i had it on here a second ago um okay so to answer the purple bays the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow is roughly 20.1 miles per hour and also, let's see here. I was going to – I already told you guys this before we Browning
3: started. Path. <laughs> I, I don't know what the, <laughs>
1: the thing was, but I, I I didn't think to do this until about 10 minutes before we started recording, but I threw up a post and just said, hey, we're about ready to pod. Uh, do you guys have any questions or whatever? And that was a question that Purple Bay's had. I don't know what he's drinking this morning that would <laughs> want him to – <laughs> Now, I told you guys just before we started recording, but I'll just throw this out there, that a couple of uh, – uh, one person in South Korea downloaded our last episode.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're we're blowing up in South Korea. <laughs> and then uh, 4% of our audience is non-binary,
4: <laughs> which – Oh. And
1: it, 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 that's literally what our stats said, so
3: – I, oh. I still, I still don't even, I, I don't even know what that even fucking means. I, I'm uh, I'll be honest, I it. don't either. But
4: I don't know if it
1: means that you refuse to acknowledge that you're one or the other, or if it, if there's actually a physical thing to that, or I don't know.
3: Oh god. All Anyways, right. another, I'm gonna, that's uh, for uh, another I'm gonna start yelling. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start yelling at Cloud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, guys, well, um, we we talked about this um, uh, over uh, text or whatever, but as we go forward into the season, it looks like that our plan is is that we're going to try to record after the football games as much as possible. If not, it'll be the next day. Um, but I think all of us are on board and thinking that it's best to, to talk about it when it's as fresh as possible, correct? Yeah.
3: Yep. Yep. So, okay.
1: Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, we're tanned, rested, and ready for Montana, and we will reconvene uh, a week from now and look forward to it. So we'll uh, talk to you guys soon.
2: All right, talk to you. Talk to you later.
1: See you at the Seven Eleven, right.
3: Grizzlies.
2: <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> All right, see ya. Bye. All right, bye. bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes. Especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun over at HardcoreHusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber
1: peyote. peyote,
0: come join Swain's Wigwam. I'm gonna have to read this over. Swain's
1: Wigwam, yeah.
0: Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. I'll have to redo that one, but.